Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Packers. Your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, this is Bill Huber from Locked On Packers speaking with Drew Davison from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and Locked On Cowboys for our Locked On Podcast Network crossover podcast. How you doing, Drew? Hey, I'm doing good, Bill. It's always great to do these crossovers. It's great information. I don't think fans can get anywhere else, so it's, 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 it's been fantastic doing these. It should be a, a much better game than the last time. I know we were talking off air about the last matchup was uh, Aaron Rodgers against Matt Castle. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, last year the Cowboys were a disaster, as their four and twelve record, you know, shows. But they just could not find a replacement for Tony Romo, who uh, fractured his collarbone twice. They tried Brandon Whedon. They tried Matt Castle. That's kind of when the Packers game fell, and then they went with Kellen Moore the final two games. But they have finally solved that. As I'm sure everyone knows, Dak Prescott's going to become one of the biggest storylines so far this season. And, Phil, the, the real impressive thing with Dak so far is his ability to just take care of the football. He hasn't really taken many shots deep, but he finds a safe route. The Cole Beasley's, the Jason Witten's underneath. So he's really done a good job protecting the football. What, what do you think the Packers' game plan against him will be going into Sunday? Well, it's got to be. Well, it's got to be. It's got to be take away Ezekiel Elliott to the best that they can. I mean, you know how it is. If, if it's if it's third and six, and you can blitz somebody. If it's third and two, I mean, you're really at the offensive coordinator's mercy. So for Green Bay, it has to start with with Ezekiel Elliott in that running game, and, and then t- trying to turn the game over to, to Prescott. I, I'm curious. Is that? I'm assuming that's been everyone's game plan, hasn't it? Though. Yeah, I mean, and. Ezekiel Elliott's seen stack boxes all the time, and it can't go without saying the first two weeks he struggled, but these last three games he's averaged more than 130 yards. And DeMarco Murray in 2014 never had three straight 130-yard games. So uh, Ezekiel Elliott certainly found his groove, found his niche running behind the Cowboys' offensive line. So they're going to try and pound the ball. They're going to try and establish it. But, of course, that's easier said than done going up against the top ranked. Packers run deep. It's it's been remarkable. I, mean, I I remember going into Week One. I picked Jacksonville to beat the Packers because I didn't think Green Bay could stop the run. Because I mean they, they hadn't stopped the run for the last six years, so I figured why why would it start now? And, and you know one of their starting D linemen was Mike Pinnell. He was suspended. They, their inside linebackers were were Jake Ryan, who had five starts as a rookie, and Blake Martinez, who was a rookie. I just I just didn't think they'd stop the run, and yet they've stopped the run. Better than anybody besides the San Francisco 49ers of 1995 in the history of the NFL with 171 yards in four games. It's, it's, it's remarkable. But they never faced a, a run game like Dallas. It's, you, know, you look at that old line, it's three first-rounders. Is it just sheer talent? What's, what's made that click? Yeah, I, well, I think it's, it is talent. And the Cowboys have hit on every single one of those draft picks. Tyron Smith has developed in an all-pro at the left tackle spot. And inside, you got Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, and there's really no drop off with the other two guys. 
Doug Free's been a staple veteran for in this league a long time, and and Ron Larry is uh, Lyle Collins had an injury. The Cowboys uh, starting left guard to start the season, so Ron Larry's back in there, and he's played uh, just as well. There's not much of a drop off between him and Collins, so the offensive line is stout. But like you said, I, I, I think this is very interesting, and not to knock either team's stats, but the. Cowboys haven't faced a great, great run D. Bengals uh, certainly have talent up front, but uh, statistically so far in the season, they haven't really shut shut down the run. And the Packers haven't really faced, as you said, a, a running game like this. So it, this is a matchup that is one to watch. And I'm very interested to see how Pinnell comes back and kind of how much he adds to the Packers' D. Yeah, he's going to have to mean for you, you hate to put too much – I mean, you had the same thing with Demarcus Lawrence last week. I mean, you hate to put too much onto a a guy who's missed four games. I don't, and I don't expect the Packers will give him too much. But excuse me, he's one, he is one of their big guys. I mean, they've been going with. Oh, I mean, they, they play nickel all the time anyway. So it's been Mike Daniels and Latroy Guyon. But otherwise, it's been first round pick Kenny Clark, and then a, a fourth round pick Dean Lowry's played some. A, a practice squad guy from last year and Christian Ringo, and another practice squad guy from this year, and and Brian Price, and it's been amazing. Whoever they put out there is basically reestablished the line of scrimmage. Whether it's you know the D linemen or their, their outside linebackers are so big that they've been kind of manhandling the tight ends or or at least being getting stalemates with offensive tackles. So, but you're right. Jacksonville's O line stinks. Minnesota's got Adrian Peterson, but their O line was wasn't any good. Um, Detroit's O line might be good in time, but they they're the running backs are garbage. And then last week it was the Giants, and their O line is kind of okay. But they're on their third string running backs. I mean, this is by far the best O line slash running back package that they'll face to this point. Yeah, well, and I think uh, for Packers fans, last year, Derek McFadden had the fourth most rushing yards in the league. And, and certainly the line had a lot to do with it. But as we said, Matt Castle is a quarterback. They weren't really contenders in, in, in a lot of games last season. But I, as we were talking before the show, I think this game has it could have a feel of the 2014 playoff game, the infamous catch no catch Des Bryant game. But in that game, I thought Demarco Murray, you know, kind of the Cowboys did their formula, and that's what they tried to recreate this year: just pound the ball, eat up the clock, time of possession, and really keep the defense off the field and and not let the defense get exposed. So I would assume the Cowboys are going to try and run the ball, eat up the clock a lot, and uh, in that game, you know, everyone talks about the catch, of course, and Aaron Rodgers not getting sacked, at least from a Dallas perspective. But the fumble that uh, DeMarco Murray had was was a very key turning point in that game. And he's even only had fumbled twice in week two. He's taken care of the ball since then. So if he's able to take care of the ball, uh, I think the Cowboys can kind of, you know, do what they did in 2014 and really make this a good competitive game. I agree with that. Um Obviously, Romo was runner-up for MVP that year. What has made Prescott so good? I mean, you know how you know how it is with rookie quarterbacks. I mean, usually they're they're in over their head. You know, you you can't run half of your offense with them. What what is what has allowed Prescott? I mean, especially as, as a fourth-round guy, not not a you know a top ten sort of pick. What what's what's allowed him to have such a, such success so far? Well, I think number one is his poise, and you know he he has. Uh, he he kind of plays beyond his years. I mean, we've written about it kind of ad nauseum at this point, but uh, I mean, his path to the Cowboys starting quarterback job was really quite interesting. Fourth round pick out of Mississippi State. I think everyone 
knew what he did. I mean, he put Mississippi State on the map in the SEC, which is very hard to do in that conference. And but he he was a fourth round pick. He was coming in as the third, the third backup behind Romo and Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore gets injured. Zach had shown enough up to that point where uh, they felt comfortable putting him in the backup role, and then he had a good preseason game. Uh, Romo gets injured in the third preseason game, and, and they're ready to roll with Dak. And I think the other thing, when you think of rookie quarterback, you think a lot of, hey, they, they're coming in to be the savior. They're coming in to salvage the team, whereas Dak Prescott, he, he kind of inherited a, a great offensive line, they drafted Ezekiel Elliott, so he had a top running back. Jason Wynn's been a staple. But it's not like he was kind of counted on. In the, I mean, this is in the nicest way. He's just had to be a bus driver. I mean, he's, you know, hand off the ball to, to Zeke and, you know, find the open guy in, in a very democratic offense with Scott, under Scott Linehan and Jason Garrett and take care of the ball. So, it, you know, and that's not – it's been very impressive what he's done because, you know, three veterans couldn't do it last year. So it has been impressive, but, you know, he's not in a typical rookie quarterback situation where, you know, there's not pieces really around him where they're not building the offense around him. He's kind of just been placed in a really nice situation where he doesn't have to do too much. Okay. I mean, he's at, what, 70% completion percentage, which is amazing when you don't have Des Bryant for, for a part of this run. Yeah, I saw you practice. Well, what, do you, what do you think the chances of him playing this week are? I, I, I would say very slim that Des Bryant practices. Uh, he, he's still coming back from a hairline fracture. I don't think Orlando Skandrick will play in this game. The nickel cornerback for the Cowboys has kind of gotten by with uh, rookie Anthony Brown in that uh, in that nickel slot. So, uh, But Des Bryant, I would not expect him to play. He did practice. I think he'll do a little bit more today and as the week goes on, but with the Cowboys having the bye week after this game, they don't want to push Des Bryant back and have him, you know, battling this knee injuries the whole season when they think when they're off to this good of a start, they've gotten by without him so far. So might as well let him get 100% healthy before pushing him back. And I guess on the flip side, what, what's the latest on Eddie Lacy? I, I know a lot of Packers fan or Cowboys fans are wondering what the Packers running game is going to look like this Sunday. Yeah, you know, it was, we, were, we, we were told on Wednesday that Lacey wasn't going to practice. He ended up being limited participation, so he did a little something. But James Starks, their backup, didn't practice at all with a knee injury, so it's kind of a role reversal where we thought maybe James Starks has been terrible to start the year, but we thought James Starks maybe would be the guy against Dallas. Maybe, maybe Lacey would be ready to go. In fact, quarterback Aaron Rodgers kind of thought that Lacey would be ready to go. I mean, he better be ready to go because he's, he's averaging like five and a half a carry. He's fifth in the league in that. Um, ran through the I mean, the Giants in her last week's game ranked third in yards per carry allowed, and he ran for uh, like seven point three a carry. So he, he's off to a really good start. James Starks averaging one point eight yards per carry. He's been he's been terrible. Um, he's one of the top right. receiving guys on the backfield last year. He, he's not done well at that. He almost fumbled the game away last week. So they're going to have to hope it's Lacey because all they have is on the team is they have Lacey and Starks. Their third running backs on the practice squad, an undrafted free agent by the name of Don Jackson, who didn't play in the preseason. I mean, that's how thin they are. So they, they better hope that Lacey not only can play, but play a lot, because they don't really have a whole lot of alternatives. Right. Well, I know, as you alluded to, James Starks had a fumbling issue, and the Cowboys have really made it a point of emphasis to train the ball away. They only had 
11 takeaways all of last season. And, uh, you, you know, they, they've been better at that, but they haven't been great. So I'm sure they would welcome James Starks over Eddie Lacy. But uh, from a Packers perspective, of course, Lacy is the better alternative. And, and I do think the Cowboys' run D has been okay. Uh, and it hasn't been great, but the benefit they've had is, They've been playing with a lot of leads, so teams have had to try and air it out and play catch-up, so to speak. So it, it will be interesting to see if Lacey can still average at five yards, five and a half yards of carry against the Cowboys, assuming he plays. Um, yeah, how, you know, just looking at the names, I'm getting, you know, Sean Lee's a hell of a good linebacker, but how, how about that front seven? It seems like a kind of an unsung group of D linemen and a pretty good group of linebackers. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's a very fair assessment, Bill, and, and I think when you look at the Cowboys' defensive front, uh, the last couple offseason, and this actually goes back to that 2014 game against the Packers uh, in the playoffs when a hobble there in Rodgers, they weren't even able to get a hand on him. Uh, so the pass rush has been an issue from you know ever since that season. They've only had they had 30, 28 sacks, excuse me, in 2014, 31 last season. They did finally have, get to the quarterback, get home. Four sacks last week against the Bengals uh, that brought their total to 10 on the season. Still not on a great pace, but, uh, the, you know, they, they have not addressed it. I mean, last year they went with Greg Hardy and, and directed Randy Gregory. Neither of them produced, you know, like they had hoped or the headaches they caused off the field certainly didn't justify uh, what, what they brought on the field. And this year, everyone thought, you know, at fourth overall, they might go with a defensive end, a pass rusher. Ended up going with uh, Ezekiel Elliott, of course. And then, and then with their high second round pick, they took a redshirt guy, linebacker Jalen Smith. If Emmanuel Ogba, the defensive end out of Oklahoma State, would have been there in the second round, they would have taken him. But, but yeah, I mean, this defensive line, they got guys like Vincent Mayowa and, and Ryan Davis and uh, I, I'm Cedric Thornton. I'm sure guys that. Packers fans have never even heard of, <laughs> and a lot of Cowboys fans, to be honest, probably have never heard of before they they got here. So, uh, but but they, you know, Rod Marinelli loves you know just the relentless attitude, and, and the D line does play with a little bit chip on their shoulder. And Demarcus Lawrence came back last week from suspension, so uh, they, they, and he's their most talented pass rusher uh, by far, and he was able he he looked quick off the ball. He only played. 17 snaps, I'd assume that gets bumped up to maybe 25 or so this week against the Packers, but they're still kind of bringing him back just since he missed those first four weeks. So the defensive line, uh, you know, it's a bunch of no-name guys. So, uh, you know, a a Jack Crawford or uh, someone like that gets an Aaron Rodgers, I'll be surprised. But uh, but getting pressure on Rodgers is going to be of utmost importance in – and from your perspective, how how has the line kind of handled uh, protecting Rogers so far? Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. 
the list. Yeah, the line's been great. Um, I guess the Giants last week, um, I, I, he was, I think he got pressured seven times out of 45 drops backs, but, but really only two really big pressures where he really had to take off and kind of run for his life. The line has been really good. I know there's a lot of talk nationally when, when the Packers got rid of their all-pro left guard, Josh Sitton. Sitton's been really good for the Bears, so I'm not knocking that part of it, but the guy they've plugged in there, Lane Taylor from Oklahoma State, so I'm sure you guys are probably at least familiar with the name. He's been pretty darn good. Um, not sitting good, but in four games, no sacks, no penalties, and, and they've run the ball well behind him. So he's done well. Their left tackle, David Bakhtiari, a fourth-round pick back in uh, 2013. It's been unbelievably good. I mean, this is a position where you know, I did the math during the offseason. Of the 32 starters, I think 20 were first-round picks. So to get a really good left tackle in the fourth round was a steal. And now he's now he's like one of the top five paid left tackles. He's been tremendous. And the rest of the line is pretty good too. I mean, TJ Lang on the right side is probably their best guarded run blocker. So the line's been the line's been really good. And, and you know, I really Rodgers has been sacked some, but that's more of a byproduct of Rodgers just holds the ball and holds the ball and holds the ball at times. But against the Giants, he was great, and and, and they've run the ball really well too. So it should be a great front six, front seven matchup. So assuming Rodgers gets time. Obviously, you guys did a really good job against a uh, Green and the Bengals last week. What, what's going on in the secondary? Yeah, and the, the Cowboys have not allowed a hundred-yard receiver uh, so far this season, and they were able to shut down AJ Green. And, and you know, they, they faced Odell Beckham, so they faced some pretty good receivers. I think Jeremy Curley, the Forty ers receiver out of TCU, came the closest. I think he had eighty-eight receiving yards in uh, the Week Four game, but. Uh, yeah, as the Cowboys in an interesting matchup for the secondary. Mo, Mo Claiborne, who's kind of having this breakout season in year five, he was a sixth overall pick in 2012 out of LSU, was, to put it bluntly, a bust. Uh, it, it, very injury prone, and when he was on the field, not very productive. He, went, he had a two plus year interception drought, so timely snap that this season. But Mo Claiborne is dealing with a knee injury, and if he, is, for some reason, isn't able to go to the Cowboys, that, that will be a huge blow because he's playing his best football and arguably the best secondary player the Cowboys have. And in a large reason, Beckham and A.J. Green haven't been able to go off on the Cowboys. So, uh, so his status is certainly one to watch uh, throughout this week. Uh, on the other side, they got Brandon Carr, who's just kind of a steady veteran. He hasn't played up to his $50 million contract, but he's certainly uh, a capable NFL cornerback and has played pretty well so far this season. He does have an interception. And then the, the safeties have really uh, played well. Byron Jones, the first-round pick out of UConn last season, they moved him to full-time safety this year. He kind of bounced between corner and safety. I actually think he played a lot of corner uh, in that Green Bay game in this last December, but he, he's he's a great center field type. You know, they, they love his range. They love his athleticism. He had a couple pass breakups last week. He's very good, uh, a very good matchup on tight end, so I wouldn't be surprised if they put him on Jared Cook uh, some on Sunday and kind of try and use him uh, for that matchup. Uh, so the secondary has been very good. No one's gone off for 100 yards. I know Jordy Nelson said he was quote-unquote embarrassed about his performance last week, but the Cowboys didn't see him last year. They certainly saw him in the playoff game. How, how has he looked, and how, how do you think he matches up against this Cowboys team? 
He's looked pretty good. I mean, he's looked about as good as you'd expect for a a 31-year-old guy coming off a torn ACL who missed an entire year. And not only did he miss all of last season, but he, he barely practiced in training camp. He didn't play in the preseason. So, you know, you know, basically he started the year with this preseason. And against uh, against Detroit before the bye in week three, he had, a, he had a big game, a couple touchdowns. And more importantly for him, a couple big plays. He, he had a, a long catch and run that went for about 50 and then he beat Darius Slay uh, vertical for a touchdown. Those are the first time that he really looked like the Jordy Nelson of old. Then there was the bye. Then last week he, he had two drops. You know, one drop probably took a touchdown off the board and, and another touchdown doomed a, a pretty good drive. So he didn't do a whole lot in that game, which is, you know, you hate to make excuses for a guy, but he probably was due for a bad game because he has played pretty well. I mean, but, I mean, those are two really easy catches too. And they're, they're, you know, he just, he's going to have to, He's gonna have to bounce back because it's you know because the Cowboys' defense is so good. But at least on the bright side, last week Randall Cobb finally got going. It was his first hundred-yard game since I think week two of of last year. So you know they, they you know Aaron Rodgers is thirty-first in completion percentage. They're, they're having a problem scoring. They only scored twenty-three against the Giants. But the feeling is, at least for public consumption, is the offense is getting close because if Nelson makes those two routine plays and then Richard Rodgers or tight end drop a Rather routine touchdown pass, at least. If they make those plays, they're all of a sudden they're threatening forty points, and all all is well in the world. So I I don't know what to make out of that. I mean, it's it's either they're getting close and they're actually going to be explosive at some point, or it's just who they are because they've been so mediocre for so long. It's an interesting thing. Um, back to the Dallas defense. I'm curious. They're eighth in scoring, but you look at their numbers. You know, quarterbacks are. Doing pretty well against them. They got a 96 rating. Running backs are averaging 4.6 a carry. You know, third down's been okay. Sacks are okay. What really has been the reason why Dallas has kept teams off the board? Well, I, I mean, they, they're kind of the classic bend but don't break unit so far. And that's where, you know, it, it will be interesting. I know, as you said, the Packers, you know, it seemed close to breaking out, you know, as it could be this week, and they finally get the Cowboys' defense to kind of break, which is – but I think the biggest key for the Cowboys' defense is kind of their offense. I mean, the offense is just eating up so much clock, eating up so much time for possession where the defense isn't really counted on to make those huge plays, to make, you know, they're not – having these long sustained drives so they they've gotten better in red zone defense they they struggled in there uh especially in week one against the Giants, and, and they also got uh they're getting better on third down and and you know the biggest thing that helped them and as i said earlier was teams are playing from behind so they're having to air it out maybe take a little more chances which has helped them get the turnovers and i know they don't have a ton of turnovers but they the turnovers they have gotten have been at such critical points that it just kind of flips the game, and the offense has capitalized on it. So it's kind of been a combination of things. But, yeah, I, I would not say the Cowboys' D does anything great, but they are kind of that classic bend but don't break. You know, teams will have somewhat drives, and then they'll kind of fizzle out. Uh so it's one of those things where they've got the timely turnovers. It seems like they've gotten a sack when they've needed it most. You know, they'll get a tackle for loss from a guy like Terrell McClain, who's kind of played pretty well as the three-technique under tackle. He's kind of replaced Tyrone Crawford, who's shifted 
uh, out to end. So, so the defense, they're kind of, I know it sounds cliche, but they're kind of the unit that just makes right play at the right time, uh, and the stats don't really reflect that. That's kind of like the 2014 team, isn't it, in that regard? Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, it's exact. I mean, this team is so much like, well, if you remember 2014, their, their defensive end stalwarts, if we can call them that, <laughs> were uh, Jeremy Mincy and George Selby leading the team in sacks. So, again, two relatively no-name guys, and now they've got uh, kind of the same scenario with uh, at defensive end and uh, you, you know, I guess Mo Claiborne and Sean Lee are names because of where they were drafted and what they've done. Uh, sometimes, and you know, sometimes for all their injury uh, history. But yeah, I mean, they, this is a very 2014-esque team where you know if they can get the get a turnover at the right time, if they can get a sack, get a tackle for loss at the right time, uh, you, you know, they'll, they'll hang in there. And and it is the classic bend but don't break, and, and you know, just kind of make the right play at the right time. You mentioned time of possession earlier. It was funny. About a month ago, when, when Green Bay's offense didn't do a whole lot against Jacksonville, uh, Mike McCarthy, the Packers coach, said something along the lines of that he wasn't interested in leading the NFL in scoring. He was interested in being more of a complete team, and, and one of his focal points was time of possession, which I thought was like an interesting statement. Um, looking at Dallas, I mean, you guys are up, what, seven and a half minutes per game. It's been a, it, it's been a really big deal. I mean, is that... Is that the design, do you think, or is it just because the line is so good and the running game is so good that just a kind of a byproduct of, of the personnel? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the byproduct of the personnel, but there's no question. And I know there's, you know, some people think time of possession is a uh, uh, worthless stat, so to speak. And, and the Cowboys, hey, they're more than happy to uh, score a 60-yard touchdown run like Ezekiel Elliott did on the first play of the drive last week, so... Uh, but, I mean, just kind of their formula, kind of their mindset is just run our offense, eat up the clock, and, and it goes a long ways into not exposing or not li- limiting the exposure of the defense. Of, in Aaron Rodgers maybe picking apart a Cowboys defense, he may not have as many plays as he would against a normal team if, if uh, you know, the Cowboys are able to eat up the clock. So it is, it is definitely by design and – the Cowboys really pride themselves on having a balanced attack on offense. They're, they're in 2014. They were pretty much a perfect 50-50 split between run and pass. And so far this season, uh, they're they're very close to that number as well. This is on top of my list of questions for you, and I forgot to ask it until now. When Tony Romo is healthy, what happens? Oh uh, yeah, that <laughs> that's. Uh, that is the only storyline in Dallas <laughs> right now. Quarterback controversy. I'm sure. Uh, Packers fans are very familiar with it. Right, yeah. I, well, shoot, shoot, I guess it's been nine, ten years now. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the Cowboys, when, when Dak Prescott, I, I think a lot has to do with what Dak Prescott's able to do in Lambeau Field. Everyone knows the history of that venue. Everyone knows how tough it is to win games up there. If he's able to leave the Cowboys to win, and then they have the bye week, then they have a Sunday night game against the Eagles. If he, I think even if they go one and one, it's very hard uh, in these next two games. It's very hard to pull Dak Prescott out. I mean, if they're six and two, I don't know how you uh, change that up. I mean, and it's kind of an indictment to, to a certain extent on Romo's 
playoff history. I mean, if, if Romo had a Super Bowl ring or let's say he even won that Packers game, they go on to an NFC championship or possibly a Super Bowl in 2014, I think, you know, no one's really questioning it. But Romo's never been to an NFC championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. So, uh, so I think that's, that's only add fuel to the fire here. And, and I think at the end of the day, the Cowboys are in the business of winning football games. And I thought it was interesting Brett Favre weighed in on it the other day saying, you know, he thinks Tony Romo should sit essentially until Dak Prescott struggles. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think the Cowboys, though, are so loyal, the Jones family and, and Tony Romo and Jason Garrett are pretty much best friends that I think it'll be very hard for them not to put Tony Romo back in. And it looks more and more likely that the November 6th game against Cleveland uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a controversy, especially depending on how Dak fares up in Lambeau this weekend. Uh, and, and I'm just interested on your take from afar because you, you've seen the Packers go through it. Uh, I, I mean, th- this story is not going to die anytime soon. No, and yeah, I, I feel for, for Jason Garrett and, and Jerry Jones on this one. I mean, because there's, it's, it's a no-win deal. I mean, it was... I remember after twenty after that NFC Championship game in two thousand seven, or when when the Packers lost, and, and Favre looked like he's a frozen old man out there. It was you know there's a part of the fan base that was ready to go to Rodgers, but you know when, but then it, I mean you everybody remembers how it happened. Then Favre retires, and then he comes back, and it just turns into this whole ugly saga. At some point, you got to turn the page, and I don't know what I mean. When's the right time? I don't I don't know. I mean. Favre goes to Minnesota and almost wins the MVP in 2009 before Rodgers finally proved the Packers right. I, I don't know the right answer to it. And you're damned and you do if you're damned and you don't. But it's you're right that if they keep winning, I don't I don't know how any, I don't know how you make the change. And maybe you have to gauge it on the locker room. You know how, what what is the locker room going to think if you know what what are they going to say if you're winning and you go back to Romo or or does or does the locker does the, does the locker room want to go with the veteran guy eventually? I don't, I don't know if you have to. Gage, talk to your veteran leaders and say, what do you guys think and, and weigh in and, and weigh their thoughts on that? I, I don't know what to do, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great situation to be in because you've got a hell of a good young quarterback, but it's a tough situation too, because you're going to ultimately piss off someone, I'm sure. Right. Well, and it's a very interesting scenario for the Cowboys because, uh, you know, the, 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 and give Dak Prescott credit, give Jason Witten, give Ezekiel Elliott, all, everyone in the locker room is saying all the right things. You know, it's, it's kind of management's call. Dak says this is Tony's team. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think he's going to, you know, create a stir or make it a bigger headache than it, it needs to be. But, and I just have a hard time thinking that the Cowboys are going to bench a guy who's possibly 6-2 and two because, you know, oh, well, our downfield passing game could be a little better or this or that. But it's also, I mean, on the contrary, you know, your interceptions could be higher. You're, you know, for everything back as well. And it's one of those things, and I think, I'm sure you guys went through it in Green Bay, you don't have to rip Romo to praise Dak or vice versa. Right. You know, I mean, they're both good. They both, you know, have their credentials. Uh, so it's one of those things. It's not really trying to say, oh, Tony's can't play anymore or, or oh, you know, Dak, Dak isn't doing enough or, or what have you. So I don't think you need to try and look at it like that. Although 
that's just human nature to kind of say, oh, well, Romo's never won a Super Bowl or done this, you know. So it's a very odd, and it's a fascinating conversation, too. All right, Drew, before I let you go, Packers-Cowboys Sunday, who do you got winning? Uh, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a lot like the 2014 game. I am going to, but at the end of the day, I think the Packers end up winning 27-24. Well, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go Dallas just because in, until the Packers offense shows that they can put together more than three, three or four drives in the game, I just have a hard time picking them against a really good opponent. So I'm, I'm going to go Dallas, probably the same score. Yeah, it should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. See you up here on Sunday. Thanks, Drew. All right. What you doing? I ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.